Scripture reading for this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and also Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 1037 and also 1039. And it reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're our guest this morning, it encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It is an encouragement, no doubt, to see so many people that love God and make an opportunity of worship one of the highest priorities in their week. Our relationship with God, nothing else is more valuable. Our opportunities to serve Him and to worship Him, nothing else should be a higher priority. And we think about this month with God we can belong to His church. I want to belong. Sometimes I hate to admit that because it takes humility to say that I'm not self-sufficient. I really do want to belong. I like to belong to a group that knows my name and they know me. I think there's kind of a song about that. I like to belong to a group that has interest in my interest and I have interest in their interest. I like to belong to a group that has genuine love for me and me for them. We like each other. We're a part of a cause that's greater than ourselves. I like to belong. And surely this room is filled with individuals that you too also like to belong. Maybe you are our guest this morning and you're looking for a place to belong. I encourage you to be here this morning and tonight to see exactly what it is that we want to belong to. Because you see, we want to belong to something that's a lot more important than any earthly organization that has ever existed before or since. There are many good earthly organizations on this earth. As a matter of fact, when we think about just right here in America, we're considered one of the most charitable or generous nations that is in the world today and maybe that almost has ever been. And what a compliment that is to the U.S. But you know, in in spite of all of the wonderful organizations that perform benevolent humanitarian tasks, organizations that truly reach out and make a positive difference, maybe in the lives of, of young people or the elderly, or maybe just in the lives of the general population in our community. There are many civic groups. There are many college and high school organizations. There are many professional groups. But do you realize, has it it really been a, a concentrated thought in your life that there is no organization that can match the church? 
There is nothing equal in its importance. There's nothing equal in the time that we ought to give it, the heart that we ought to give it, the love that we ought to give it. Friends, this morning as we think about I want to belong, I want to belong to the Lord's church because there is no other organization on earth like the Lord's church. I want to belong to those who are the church. What does that mean? The church. Ecclesia is the Greek word. It, it means to call out. Isn't that interesting? You and I are saying we want to belong to those who are called out. As we think about the called out, and we think about what does it mean to be the called out, there are a lot of things today said about the Lord calling us that really is not completely the way the Scriptures uses the phrase of <clears throat> being called. I know several years ago, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, I, I gave you this illustration, but when I lived in Gadsden, Alabama, there was a big denominational church right downtown that was kind of like the main church in that, in that town. And they had a preacher that had been with them for a lot of years. He was well known in town. And there was a city, the next city down. They came in from the same denomination of that city and, and came in and they offered him a substantial raise. And he got into his pulpit the next Sunday and he said, The Lord has called me too. And he named the city and the congregation. Well, once he was there for just a few weeks, the deacons from the church that he had left went and had a meeting with him. They offered him a $10,000 increase to what this new church offered him, which was already an increase, and they offered him a brand new Cadillac. The next Sunday, he was back in Gadsden standing in the pulpit, and his very words were, the Lord has called me back to Gadsden. Now, maybe his God had called him back to Gadsden, but that wouldn't be spelled with a capital G. There are a lot of things that are said today where individuals, perhaps they mean well, but what they oftentimes do is they speak what they hope is true and put it under the disguise of, God has called me to do this. God has called me to say this to you today. God has called me to come by and visit you today. Friends, I want you to know as we study today about God calling, we're not going to entertain the way to describe this outside of the Scripture. I'd like to take just a few minutes to look at various Scriptures to see how the Lord speaks of His calling. And then, this morning and continuing even tonight, to see all that the Lord would have us to be about His called people. Look with me, if you will, to Romans, the first chapter. Romans, the first chapter. We read last week in Romans 1 and 4 about the power of the resurrection, that the resurrection declared the glory of God, and, and that uh, it's just a, a wonderful thought to think that God spoke in that powerful way through the resurrection. But notice what he says as we read here in 5 and 6. Through him... We have received grace and apostleship. And let me pause here for just a moment. You know, our letters today are kind of just 
backwards to the way letters were written in the first century. We start out addressing, hey, this is who I'm writing to, and we close out with a signature that says, this is who wrote this letter. Most of the time, the epistles are just the opposite of that. It begins by saying, let me tell you who this is writing it. And it makes sense because all of us that get a long letter in the mail, what do we immediately do? We flip it over and see who it's from. Then we flip it back over and we begin reading it. Well, Paul simply begins with, hey, I want to tell you who I am. And he's introducing himself here in these six or seven verses to say, I'm a man that's been moved by the powerful God that can resurrect Jesus Christ. I've been chosen as an apostle. But he's also going to lump them in to this description. Look again as as we begin reading at five again. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So he's talked about him as apostle there and the other apostles. But notice what he says in verse six about any of us among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He's writing to the church of Rome, and he says, I want you to know, you are the called. What does it mean to be the called? Let's flip over a few more pages to Romans, the eighth chapter. You know, sometimes we know a verse so well, many of you could quote without turning there, Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 28. But sometimes we memorize verses and we concentrate on one aspect of it, and we might not intentionally, but just not study carefully another part of it. You see, we love the first part of verse 28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. But have you ever noticed the last part of this verse? To those who are the called according to His purpose. Do you want to believe that all things can work together for good for you? Maybe something terrible has happened in your life. Do you realize something good can come out of that if, if you are a part of the called? There is something about the called that's different from everybody else in the world. There's something about the called that's different from any organization in the world. And notice not only is it the called, but it's the called according to His purpose. The called have a reason to live. The called know why they're on this earth. I think about an email that I got just this week from a woman and she said these words. I just cut and paste this part of her email. At my son's dentist office, I overheard several people were talking about the meaning of life. The conclusion they came to was the meaning of life is whatever you make it. We're basically here and can decide what we do and what life means for us. Is that where you are? I hope not. Because that's a miserable way to go through life. It's like a ship with no compass and no sail. It's whatever is blowing in your life at this, at this moment, maybe that's what life means. And then some others, something happenstance occurs and maybe that's what life means. And when we're younger, life means one thing. And when we're older, it means something else. Is that really all life is? It's just a whirlwind of circumstances? Or is there some roots, an anchor? Is there a direction Is there a purpose to life? Friends, the called, they know that they're a part of a purpose and it's not their own purpose. We're a part of something that's greater than ourselves. The called are called according to God's purpose. And that brings a great reward in life. That brings significance to our life. Going back to the text that was so capable of the red, look again at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and look at verse one again. 
And notice as he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. And you say, well, what more can we learn about this calling? Look in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called, you are called in one hope of your calling. Now, what is hope? Hope is an expectation that the promises of God will come true. That's what spiritual hope is. God is faithful. He has never forsaken us. And so this morning, you either do or you don't. You either do or you don't have hope. You have an expectation that God's promises are all going to come true. Those who have the one hope of your calling, you have a calling back to verse 1. Now it's worthy to live to that high standard. Friends, simply put, the calling that God invites us to be a part of is such a high standard of living that no one would do it unless they realized how important it was. But that's the only way that we can have that one hope of our calling. Are we willing to live that? With that in mind, I'd like for you to go back to the text there. If you're still open, 1037 or 1038 on the Bible that's in your pew there, Ephesians, the first chapter. And I'd like for us to think, now that we have somewhat defined what it means to be the called, it's those that they've been called out of the world. They've been called into a relationship with God. They've been called to have a purpose that's far greater than just themselves. They believe in the promises of God. And we're going to spend the rest of this day trying to bring a fuller description to this. And Ephesians 1 does a wonderful job of teaching us about this. So let's think about being called before. What does that mean? If we're going to really understand what it is to be the called out, we're going to have to understand what it is to be called before. Look back to Ephesians 1 there, and, and let's gain from our understanding of verse 4 and verse 5 and then also verse 11. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Skip down if you will to verse 11. And him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. For instance, the Bible never teaches the predestination of an individual. In other words, you were not born without a choice of whether or not you would serve God. You were predestined to, to a, a reward in heaven or to an eternal damnation. We never read about specific or individual predestination. But what we do read about is the idea that God has formulated a plan. God, as we see here in verse 11, has said, I can tell you who's going to have the inheritance in my family. And that inheritance has been predestined. I'm going to give it to those to whom I have chosen. Well, who have you chosen? Back to verse 5. He says, I've chosen those whom I will adopt. Isn't that beautiful? Those that decide that they don't want to be of the world anymore, they want to be the called, they are stepping into a relationship with a master who wants us to be his children. He wants to adopt us into his family. And that plan, that, that predestination of those that choose him, 
He's chosen us. Now the question is, will you choose Him? He's chosen the way, but He's not going to force us. Now will you choose Him? Notice again in verse 4 that that predestination, He says that He has chosen us in Him. By the way, in Christ is a passage that reoccurs, there's a phrase that reoccurs over and over and over again in the book of Ephesians. And so we see in Christ or in Him before the foundation of the world, verse 4. You realize that before Adam and Eve existed, God predestined the way that He would allow us to have the opportunity to be the called out. Before God ever said, let there be light, He knew that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for the remission of our sins. The called. The called before we ever existed. Now think of this. Somebody says, what does it take to be a part of this church? Uh, can, Can I just sign my name somewhere? Do you realize what you're saying when you say, I want to be a part of this church? Do you realize that that this church is is not organized by men or women? Do you realize that that this church is not the, the organizational thought? It wasn't established by mankind. Do you realize that before mankind existed, God predetermined what the church would look like? Friends, The Lord's church has never been led by men. It's had men to serve as her leaders. But the Lord's church, it doesn't belong to men. It's not organized by men. The purpose of the Lord's church is not defined by men. The Lord's church doesn't worship by what men would think would be comfortable, convenient, emotional, edifying. What does all this mean? If I want to be a part of the Lord's church, I'm going to have to be a part of the called out. But look back again to Ephesians 1 there and notice verse 7. I'd like for you to notice the key words of like redemption and forgiveness. And then we'll skip down and read verse 13 and see salvation. Look at verse 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Skip down to verse 13. In Him, see how we keep having this phrase, in Him, in Christ. In Him, you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation in whom, that's in Christ, also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Think about those key words. Think about what it means to be redeemed. What does it mean to be forgiven? What does it mean to be saved? Have you also thought about the very fact that to answer that question, what does it mean to be forgiven, redeemed, and saved? Do you, do you also realize that's what it means to become a part of the Lord's church? There's not some kind of procedure. It's be saved. Now that coin is true 
no matter which side, which angle you come from, that coin is still true on both sides. So someone says, hey, can I be a part of this church? You know what's going to be asked? Are you saved? That's all that matters. And it's not our guidelines. It's what the Lord asks. Are you saved? In Acts the second chapter, it was the day the church was established. And you realize in 37, they wanted to know what they needed to do to be saved. In 38, they were told what they needed to do. They were already believers. They already, by their question that they asked, were willing to confess that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. But what they needed to do, they needed to repent and be baptized. And a few verses down, it says that all those who gladly received His Word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000, notice this, were added to them. How did they become a part of the Lord's church? They were saved. If somebody didn't understand truly what it is to be the called, they might come into our assemblies, and if they didn't understand what it was to be the called, they would probably say, you guys place a lot of emphasis on salvation. You guys talk a whole lot about belief and repentance and confession and baptism. Does it make more sense now why the called do that? You can't be a part of the called if you haven't answered the calling for which we can be saved. Do you realize that if we wanted to just appease people, we could just say anybody come in. But when we did that, we'd no longer be the called. We'd be an earthly organization. Oh, we might still wear the name of a church, but we'd no longer be the Lord's church. The Lord's church is made up of those who are ready to be called out of the world. They're lost in sin. They're separated from God. And they want to be called into a righteous and saved relationship with Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, to Colossians, the first chapter. I'd like for us to see this one more time in, in Colossians 1. <clears throat> Let's look in verse 13 and 14. Colossians 1. It's on page 1,000 and either 45 or 46 in the Bible that's in your pews. Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And we're thinking about being called out. What were we in? We were in the power of darkness. Darkness has its power. And conveyed, that means literally transferred. Now you're out of one and into another. Conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom, that's in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Friends, do you see over and over in the Scriptures, the teaching is, do you want to leave the world? If you want to leave the world and you want to be in Christ, you have to have your sins forgiven. You have to be saved. We live in a world where tolerance is placed on such a high pedestal that we have truly bought in 
to the mindset that is a, a humanistic, it's, it's the philosophy of man that says, hey, I'm okay, you're okay. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Nobody loses. And I want to tell you something from the Word of God. All men sin and fall short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God. If I haven't been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, I am lost in sin. I'm not okay. It's not a win-win for me. And until I realize that there is a significant difference in those who are the called and those who are in the world, I can't appreciate what the Lord has offered me. And do not confuse that with religion. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, you remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He described what would be some of the most religious people of his day. And he begins the verse before describing their life on earth, describing what it's going to be like for them on the day of judgment. And in Matthew 7 and 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now this is what they did on earth, 22. Many who say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. Were these people religious? Yes. They went out and prophesied or taught in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They did many wonderful works in the name of Jesus. Were they a part of the called? No. He said, depart. I never knew you. Why? They had not done what God had asked them to do to be saved. Is it really that simple? Yes. It really is that simple. I can't be a part of the called if I'm not saved. And I can't be saved just because I accept religion. Religion alone has never been the standard of salvation. Being a good neighbor has never been the standard of salvation. Being moral has never been the standard of salvation. The standard of salvation is that I answer the calling by which I have been called. You know, the old story is told about the famous actor who was at a gathering and for whatever reason, an old preacher that had retired because his voice was too longer uh, it, was, it was no longer strong enough to, to preach an entire sermon. He had been asked to come to this high society gathering. This particular actor, he thought a lot of this preacher. And, and it came time for this actor to stand before the group. And, and he looked to the preacher he respected and he said, Poetry? Anything that you would like for me to recite? The preacher said, The 23rd Psalm. As a trained orator and actor, he eloquently and passionately delivered, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And at the end, the crowd gave the loudest applause. It was an amazing performance as he delivered the 23rd Psalm. But then to show respect, he, he turned to the elderly man and he said, could I ask you to recite it for this great crowd? With that broken voice and those stooped shoulders, 
he leaned toward the mic and he weakly said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when he finished, there were tears coming down the faces. And no one applauded. They sat in silence. And the actor stood before the group again and he said, I'd like to explain to you what you've just witnessed. I stood before you and I spoke as one who knows the 23rd Psalm. This man stood before you and spoke as one who knows the shepherd. I hope and pray that you're part of the call the ones who truly know who the shepherd is. You know because you've humbly obeyed everything that He has asked for you to do, that you are His. You have surrendered your will. You have said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I hope you'll come back tonight as as we're going to go a lot deeper into this first chapter of Ephesians 1. And we're going to see what we're called to and what we're called from and what we're called under. Friends, I close with where I began. I want to belong. I want to belong where the shepherd knows my name. And I know his name. I want to belong where I'm loved. And I love. I want to belong where there is one who has interest in my interest. And I have interest in his interest. I want to belong. This morning, it's the Lord's invitation. We don't have an invitation here. We're all just here a part of the called that belong to Him. If you've never been immersed into Christ, why not belong to Him this morning? If you have belonged to Him and you've lost the way, why not come back to your Father if we can help you come as we stand, as we sing?